is a bioelectronic addiction. Videodrome is the ultimate addiction. Videodrome will shatter your reality. Television can change your mind. Videodrome will change your body. Experience Videodrome. Coming to a theater near you. From Universal Pictures. Welcome to Vintage Burn. I'm Kev. Marco. Doug. We got our special guest, Dr. J. Hello. The man, the myth, the legend knows knows all of the, the pictures and background props that are that are in uh, most well known horror movies. Dr. J. Oblivion. <laughs> Dr. J. Oblivion. Yeah, and hopefully, I, I hope I'm pretty J. sure Oblivion. we all. Here we all saw our specific picture of a specific somebody that we'll get into, um, which is interesting, especially during this current month. So, um, yeah, we're doing, we're doing 1983 sci-fi horror uh, classic, cult classic, Videodrome. Um, I don't know. Extremely fucked up movie. And um, I'm going to do synopsis from iTunes. This was... Uh, Made by filmmaker David Cronenberg, who, if you guys don't know, uh, also did Scanners. It's uh, about a diabolical invader. It's a television show that seduces and controls its viewers. Featuring rock star Deb- Deborah Harris, or Debbie Harris to most people. As Harry. King- Debbie Harry. Oh, Debbie Harry. Sorry, yeah. James Woods as cable programmer looking for the ultimate in viewing thrills. And special makeup effects by Oscar winner Rick Baker. You guys don't know Rick Baker. Um, I mean, he did American oh, yeah. Girl, Star Wars, and just tons of other movies. He's uh, done just video- about everything. He's, he's yeah. won, I think he's won more Academy Awards for effects than anyone else. Mm. I think he's won a seven, seven times, and nominated like nine or ten times, something like that. Just insane. <laughs> Insane, insane list. Yeah, he's the guy. He's the guy that's behind. Like when you see Eddie Murphy play a shit ton of roles in his own movies, that's that's Rick Baker. <laughs> he's oh, the guy he's behind all of the Nutty Professor and Coming to America. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he worked on The Exorcist with uh, Dick Smith. Mm. Another legend, The Godfather. So who's got the uh, who's got the write up tonight? By the way, this got not that it really matters, but I mean it got an eighty percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, it was rated R. Uh, it's approximately an hour twenty seven minutes running time, and man, this movie is a pulsating science fiction nightmare about a world where video can control and alter human life, while also showing like of weird torture porn. Yeah, so I got the write up tonight. It's fine, by the way. 
Uh, the uh, movie got a 7.2 in IMDb, which is very good. Uh, the budget was $6 million and it only made 2.1. Wow. So I'm thinking it had a very limited release, if I had to guess. Yeah, total, total bomb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As you said, James Woods plays Max Wren. Deborah Harry pays, uh, plays Nikki Brand. And that's like the two main people I know in the movie. I didn't look any deeper than that. But uh, anyway, I'll get into it here. Yeah, it opens up with uh, a videotaped alarm clock from uh, you know Max's, which is James Woods, Secretary Friday, reminding him he has a meeting with Hiroshima Video. He gets up, picks up photos of naked Japanese women, and looks at them. <laughs> which, uh, yeah, right there, it was the first red flag. I'm like, what's going on here? He shows up to the meeting. They're trying to sell him a show, and he wants to watch one, the last one. And they said, well, you won't make any sense. He says, it doesn't matter. My audience just wants to see the last one. But it's called Samurai Dreams. Yeah, because that's the good, that's the believe... good part. Mm. Right. <laughs> and I believe that it's the same woman in the photo from watching it twice. Uh, I'm pretty sure anyway. And anyway, she's sleeping. She wakes up. She walks over to like a little kabuki doll. Yeah. She pulls off the robe. And then it's a very phallic, perhaps a dildo under it. It's absolutely then, a dildo, dude. <laughs> yeah. It is a weird-looking dildo, though. It has an extremely large, uh, uh, you know, tip. Extremely Head. large. <laughs> and this is when you start to figure out Max runs a TV station. So, <laughs> All right, then it pans off uh, the video, and now he's watching it with his two partners uh, at Civic TV, Channel 83. Is somebody walking and, around? Uh, yeah, whoever's moving, know. stop moving. Someone lopping up soup with stop their tongue? <laughs> I've heard all kinds of weird shit. I can't... It's definitely Dr. J. He's fucking chewing on <clears throat> or something. Yeah, I'm these things pick nothing. up everything. I'm just chewing this. I'm just chewing the scenery on this classic, uh, called classic movie here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so he's in the meeting, like I said, uh, with the two Japanese guys. Then it pans off the video, and now he's, he's watching it with the two guys from the station, his partners. They ask what he thinks. He says it's too soft. He wants something harder. He wants something tough. So the dude's obviously the looking for, thing. like, some fucking... The next thing, yeah. He wants to, you know, bring the station, get viewers, all that stuff. All right, it cuts to a satellite moving around. Then you meet Harland. In the uh, in a room trying to pick up signals, basically pirate shows. That's what he's trying to do. Uh, he has a signal, says it's coming from Malaysia. Fifty-three second delay. They pick up the signal, and it's a woman getting manhandled by two people in scrubs. Then it cuts out. He's interested in airing it, obviously, because it was pretty violent. And I love the room. Anybody want to describe the room? Uh, it's like a big not- red, probably twenty by twenty. Uh, I didn't. <clears throat> it's like orange. It has one wall. It's kind of made of clay. And I know Harlan says that he thinks it's electrified. It's like wet and it's kind of just very, very basic. Almost like um, something you'd seen like a Roman, you know, uh, something like pillars, you know. But it was it's very, just very kind of creepy and kind of I guess, I guess kinky would be the right word. Black gray. Yeah, and, pretty- and it's the new skin. I think it's a wall of new skin. Yeah, but it has like uh, like finger marks all over it, like scratch marks, claw marks, all types of stuff going on. If when you really see it up close later, you can see everything about it. Man, you sexual right. deviants really looked into this wall. 
Well, I mean, it shows it like five <laughs> times in the movie. So. I'm not just I kidding. mean, and it shows it like not on video either. It shows it when they're actually like, you know, whatever. We'll get to that. Mm-hmm. All right. Then he ends up going on a talk the only show. Set they have. Arena King. Is it? Yeah, it is the only set they have. That's true. Yeah, it's the only set they have. And he even late, says later on, just, look, at the, look at the production cost. There's nothing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very it's minimal. This is one room where tough. all this stuff takes place. And then he goes on the Rena King show, and that's when you meet Deborah Harry slash Nikki Brand. That's her character name. And Brian Oblivion. Rena asks Max why his radio station airs everything from softcore porn to graphic violence. And he basically explains they're small, and they, they're trying to survive. So they're trying to, you know, again, like uh, I think Jay mentioned, they're trying to air the new thing. Yeah, BNG you know, like and air the new thing. You know, the Don Common thing, you know, draw the small <laughs> crowd. Yeah, then uh, Reen asked Nikki about what she says, and uh, she lives, she said, she, uh, what she thinks about it, I'm sorry. And she says, we live in overstimulated times, we always want more, and she thinks it's bad. And then uh, Max asked her, this is one of my favorite parts, he's like, so why'd you wear that dress? It obviously stimulates him. That's what he says, actually, it stimulates him. Then mm-hmm. she admits she lives in a very excited state of overstimulation. Max turns to her and says, I'd like to take you out tonight, they end up going out eventually. Reen asks Oblivion what he thinks. <laughs> Violent. Is everybody all right here? Yeah, what? You okay? I'm here. All right. all right, cool, cool. I just thought we lost somebody for some weird reason. But, uh, no, asked no, Kevin's dead, asked... so. Yeah, yeah. I hear a lot of him all day. Going What's he on? doing? He's <clears throat> playing with his phone. Uh, he's probably but, uh, pulling Pipe Pipe's right. putt. <laughs> yeah, Reen asks Oblivion <laughs> if he thinks Violent TV shows lead to desensitization, dehumanization. And then basically he says the TV screen leads to the return of the mind's eye. Which pretty much is a big thing today, I guess. That's just trying to, you know, show you know, where all this television's leading to, I guess, is the message in it. And, uh, and he it appears on a TV on TV. Which I thought was weird. But yeah, man, this is my first time watching the movie. Uh, I've watched it twice. and Man, it was already like very... Uh, I don't know, man. I was really into it. It was just I, I don't know, entertaining as all hell so to this point. And uh, okay, so Rena asks Nikki if Max is a menace to society. Nikki responds with, "Not sure. He's certainly a menace to me." So it's leading up to them going out anyway. I love that part. It's so awkward for the host. The hostess, she's like, "What the fuck is happening?" While well, these two are like hitting on each other, and she's and she's got uh, yeah, y'all fuck on your own time. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's a great awkward scene. She's like, "What the fuck is going on here?" And he's just carrying on, talking about her dress. She has a very big head. The um, whatever her whatever the talk show host name was. Yeah, Re- Rena, Rena King, Re- <laughs> Rena. I don't know. Why I noticed. I'm like, she she looks like her head would like match. You know, the episode of Seinfeld with man hands. Like it looked like her head would have matched those hands. <laughs> I do. I don't know why I noticed that. Like I'm like, you know, there's a you could. Fucking Blondie on stage in a red dress and James Woods, and I'm looking at her big head. I don't know. I'm fucked. And Deborah Harry is looking very good she's, in this movie. They're very too, careful the to not have her be blonde in this movie, too. Like, she's definitely yeah, she's, I noticed she dark too, hair yeah. throughout the whole movie. They're like, we don't want anyone picking up that this is Blondie here. <laughs> so after that scene, it cuts back to the studio, and Max and Harland are uh, hanging out again. And uh, he's watching the, they're watching video drum again. They tapped in. And uh, he asked Harlan what's going on. He was like, you know, there's no plot. 
it just goes on like that for an hour. And then he, he says torture, murder, uh, mutilation. Uh, Max thinks it's brilliant. Almost no production costs, as Jay mentioned. And you, could take, you can't take your eyes off of it. It's very realistic. Roland. <laughs> yeah, and then Roland actually pinpointed the, uh, the signal to Pittsburgh. So it's actually a lot closer than they thought. Not in Malaysia. Yeah, that was kind of like a ploy to kind of throw him off the trail, essentially. Yeah, they basically, in an earlier scene, he was talking about, like, signal blocking or whatever. Like, they, they scramble the signal that they scrambled or whatever. Like, so, uh, yeah, they obviously, whatever. Uh, Max and Nikki now are in his apartment. Uh, she's flipping through his VHS tapes and asks if he has any porno. <laughs> Says it gets her in the mood. <laughs> Which I love. I, that's that's a great opening date line. If I ever got that an opening date, I'd be the most excited person on the planet. Yeah, he's pouring a drink and she's looking for porn. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, <laughs> Nikki says, "What's she this video?" Highly and Max says, "Stimulated state." She does. And Max responds with torture, murder, and Nikki's like, "Sounds great. Let's pop it, pop it on." Uh, she likes it. It turns. No, he on. says, uh, "He goes not him. exactly sex," and then she says, "Says who?" <laughs> yeah, that's right yeah they put it on and she likes it it turns her on when she asks him to pull out a knife and cut her he pulls back her hair and sees existing cuts looks like somebody beat me to it he says but yeah man it, it, obviously she's definitely into getting uh tortured herself this is when you find out she's a basically a super freak pain. She, right yeah she lets people cut she lets someone ah god damn it i can't read well, anyway, they bang. He sticks, yeah. and then he starts like sticking needles through her ears, like freaking like piercing her ears with no like numbing nothing. He just then he's looking blood off. She's in love with it. She's all, she's all freaking stimulated, <laughs> overstimulated. Speaking so, of stimulation, how how uh, how excited were you, Marco, with all of the the uh, booby action in the first like thirty minutes of this movie? I enjoy it. I mean, I, I love the female form very much. You know, it's a very you know, very beautiful thing. What's more excited about James Wood's ass? Okay. Oh, I was excited. Actually, uh, <laughs> do you guys know about James Wood and, James Woods and Howard Stern? No. So James no. Wood, Howard Stern found out that James Wood apparently has the biggest penis in Hollywood. Right? <laughs> so, like, on the Howard Stern uh, show, if you listen to, to it, it back in the day, if James Wood... Yeah, he would always ask him, Yo, just show me your penis, show me your penis, because he really wanted to see the biggest penis in Hollywood. I still listen to a lot of Stern. <laughs> now, we're we talking soft or hard here? Because, you know. I think soft. I'm not 100% sure, but uh, I don't remember him. like that well. Fucking but, yeah, but, uh, Well, to be the biggest, you probably have to be the biggest in both categories, you know, blessed and, and hard. You'd probably have to, you know, not just be a grower. <laughs> yeah. You'd have true. to be a shower, too. <laughs> 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 then during the same sex scene after he licks the blood off, they all of a sudden the room changes and they're actually in the video drum room, video drum room, which you that's when you get a good look at the wall and all that stuff. Like I was saying before, you know, I didn't notice uh, that that they were in that room because I'm like that's that's not his apartment, you know. That's I don't know what hers looks like. We haven't seen it, you know. But then you're right. Once they kind of pan out, like I didn't realize the first time I watched it, even till you know, not even at the end of the movie until like the second time I'd seen it that they were in that room. Yeah, yeah, that's why I said watch it twice. Remember I told you that? Because mm -hmm. I think it's one of those movies you need to see two, three, four times to really like take in, in, in my opinion. We'll, we'll talk about that later, though. It really but, is. Um, 
It is. It is. It's just, it's so much going on. And that's why, like, I wrote down so much stuff because I think all this leads into, you know, like, you need to, you need the backstory in this movie. It's just so much going on for, for very limited characters, right. too. It's not like it has a million characters. But anyway, back to the station. Right. They're at the TV station. His secretary tells him, Masha, Masha, enter Masha, is in the office. And then, on, what's funny, again, go back to the 80s, on his way, he, like, pinches a chick's ass and she just smiles at him, like, in his office. Yeah. And it's like, yep, totally okay. the 80s. <laughs> like that, his um, secretary gives him a coffee and a lit cigarette already and says, like, go, yeah, and then he walks by and, like, pinches her ass. Like, it's like a normal day on the job, you know? It's like the beginning scene of Kingpin. So she's uh, here to show him a new show with a lot of nudity, like like a Roman theme, maybe Caligula type thing going on. He says he's looking for something more contemporary, whatever, whatever. He asks her if she knows video drums. She says no. He explains, you know, torture, murder, all the all that stuff. He asks her to try to find out about it. She said she'll try. Uh, I think uh, he offers to shower with her. Uh, she's like, you're much too old for me. That, that's, la- that's, no, that's later. That's later on. on. Oh, that's later. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. I just didn't write that part down, so I forgot. The, the, anyway, back one... to back to Nikki. Well, go ahead. I was going to say this here is when, like, you know, he's kind of trying to convince her, and then, you know, she's like, it's it, it's weird, it's dangerous, and then he's kind of snarkily says, you know, better on TV than in the streets, you know? Like, I don't know if that kind of resided with her and kind of made a good point. Kind of justifying, her. like, the way he the way he does business, because it's kind of grimy, he's, like, he kind of capitalizes on the dirt and the, you know, smut and all that kind of shit. It's like real TV and Jerry Springer on crack as this whole station, so... You know, yeah, he's, he's, he's kind of trying to justify it to himself, like that it's okay that you know I'm showing this because it's better than out on the street, even though it is right, right, yeah, <laughs> yeah, in his it own is. sick head, his own, in his own sleazy head. So uh, it goes back to Max and Nikki, and she's telling him that she's actually going to Pittsburgh for an assignment for a month or whatever, and may she may audition for Videodrome. He wants her to stay away from it, then. She proceeds to light a cigarette and burn her titty. Yeah. You, you can, can never hear Heart of Glass again after you've seen Debbie Harris burn her titty. Harry. Harry. God damn it, Kev. <laughs> 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 Fucking fake news Kevin, galore. Is Kevin I here? Much. I'm not going to say Harry. Are you I'm even still here, Harry. Kevin? Is he okay? Yeah. What? <laughs> I don't know. He sounds far away. Like, he's like, well, He's know. taking it down. Whatever, right now. Kevin. So now he's at din- dinner with Marcia. Marcia. She urges him to leave Videodrome alone. It's not meant for public consumption, she says. She says it's political and it's real, not acting. She says there's a philosophy behind it, which makes it dangerous. He asks her for a name and she tells him Brian Oblivion. So you know, Brian Oblivion is apparently, possibly, apparently behind this. He ends up going to a homeless shelter and meets uh, his daughter, Bianca Oblivion. He wants to talk, you know, to Brian about Videodrome. Uh, she tells him that Brian hasn't engaged in a conversation in like 20 years. He only talks through videotapes. She asks him what format he would like her father's response to be in. Mm-hmm. Beta, VHS, real to real. I would have said, said LaserDisc. Yeah. I don't think late, was, in 83? Uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know when so. they... You think it's too early? Not, oh yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure the disc was a little later. 
Um, so right, uh, right before this scene, there he's kind of like walking through like a church line into the church, and he kind of he's going through just like these corrals. They look like like I got the impression that they're kind of like jizz booths almost. Like they're little TV set up on a TV in a chair, and like he want you know people would come in off the streets and watch like TV, and he looks over the one guy, and it looked like someone was like beaten off in the video. You know, I didn't investigate too much, but. <laughs> and then he, and then he goes up to see the, the um, Oblivion's daughter. All twisted in this movie. It's all, it's all part of like the experiments that they were all doing. You know, showing yeah. them. You know, it's kind of along the same lines of video drum. They're, you know, showing them all this stuff to stimulate their brains and try and you know, <clears throat> figure out, you know, a solution to this whole problem. Yeah, at first you think out. it's just, is it? For, yeah, at first you think it's kind of just strange, but then as you know, you know, as the plot unfolds, you're like, oh, okay. It makes a lot more sense. Yeah, then uh, he says, uh, he mentions Videodrome. I forgot to mention that. And uh, Bianca has a slight look of shock and asks if it's a Japanese configuration. <laughs> and she's claiming she's never heard of Videodrome. All right, back at home. He pulls out a gun. Then Friday comes to his door, his secretary. She has info that uh, Nikki is not on assignment, meaning she lied. She brings him a wake up tape and he screams, don't. Wait a minute, I'm sorry, hold on. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She screams, and then he, he, it, like, he slaps her, and then it shows Nikki's face again, and then he slaps her again. And then uh, she asks what's wrong, and he starts itching his stomach and says he thinks something, you know, getting a rash or something. <laughs> then he apologizes her for slapping her, you know, for slapping her, and he's, she's like, what are you talking about? You never slap me. So it, it, right there, it's things just start getting even weirder. They end up in the room now. He's he's you know imagining slapping people, and it's freaking pretty cool, man. She leaves. Uh, he has the tapes in his hands, the tape in his hands, and uh, then all of a sudden, like it kind of blows up, and you hear like breathing, and it's like like pulsating, like uh, coming to life almost. You know what I'm saying? Fucking the yeah, tape. I mean yeah, so he, he's starting to see shit. He's starting to hallucinate. He doesn't he doesn't realize he is, but he's you know something's not right. Yeah, so he pops in the video. It's from Brian Oblivion. He tells him your reality is half video hallucination, and if he's not co- fully careful, it'll become full hallucination. So that's when he learns he's hallucinating. Tells him uh, he got a brain tumor. When it was removed, it was videodrome. Said he had visions, and he believed that the visions caused the tumor. And then he, his exact quote is, I could feel the visions coalesce and become flesh, uncontrollable flesh. Then he gets choked. He says he was Videodrome's video first drum. victim. What's that? And he said that that, that flesh is Videodrome. Oh, yeah, 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 that's right. There you go. See the little things I missed. That's what we get uh, Dr. J here for. Uh, mask <clears throat> ass... Yeah, he he asks who's behind it, and uh, once yeah, I can't even freaking read my own writing. <laughs> we can edit this part. Uh, he re- oh, okay, yeah, yeah. There's a person choking him, oh, removes on. the hood, and it's Nikki in the background, fucking choking him. And she says, "I want you, Max. Come to me. Come to Nikki." Then the TV starts breathing and pulsating. Moaning like sexually, and he hears yeah. her say, "Come on, please don't keep me waiting." Then he sticks his head into the TV. That's like her lips on the television. That was a fucking like, awesome scene, man. Those visual effects were incredible for the time. They were. I, oh man, such a such a cool scene. Yeah, man. 
Uh, they did you, go. Did you uh, the part out about in, the gun. That didn't happen yet. In the gas. No, no, no. Oh, okay. My that bad. happens a little later. Oh, don't worry, it's coming. We won't. We will not miss that That's... part. That's like one of the coolest parts of the fucking movie. But uh, he goes crown back to jewel. the shelter to confront Bianca. Yeah, pretty much the crown jewel. He uh, back to the shelter. He confronts Bianca, holds up the tape, and uh, she goes to grab it, and he says, "Be careful, it bites." She asks how long he's been hallucinating. He says he's been hallucinating for a while since the fir- he first saw Videodrome. So now you know it's starting to get weird. It's Videodrome possibly causing the hallucinations. Who knows? I, I, I think Jay might be right. I thought when he was watching the video from the professor, that's when he like his stomach opens up like a vagine. Nope, he's wrong. It comes uh, later. All right. Well, my notes are in chronological order. I think, but what 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 we're both thinking about is um, he, they show him scratching his stomach, and there is a line there. It hasn't fully become the um, you know. Vagina tape deck. Jay is correct. <laughs> Jay is correct. Okay. <laughs> okay, so anyway, she explains the uh, tone of the hallucination is determined by the tone of the tape's imagery. So he, uh, she tells him the signal induces a brain tumor in the viewer, and the tumor creates hallucina- hallucinations. He screams, you let me watch it, and she says she expects them to come after her, and she thought it might be Max. She says uh, he's just another victim like Daddy, Mr. Brian Oblivion. He wants to talk to Dad, and she points to the room and says he's in there. He goes in, and there's like a room full of fucking videotapes, like thousands and thousands and thousands of videotapes. And basically, he just recorded a bunch of stuff, like four or five tapes a day, so she can use anything as like a response, I guess. Yeah. And is oh, go ahead, sorry. No, no, I wasn't saying nothing. Go ahead. I want you guys to chime in here uh, whenever you want. Go ahead. Well, so is this when she kinda explains that he's been dead for eleven months and that you yep. know, and he's like, Well, no, I was just on a talk show with them and she kinda because if you think back to the talk show, it's kinda delayed, it's kinda off a little bit. It was like a very generic uh video from him and it really didn't kinda explain the host's question. So, you know, knowing that now that that scene makes more sense. But yeah, like Marco said, he would do Two, three, four of these videos a day, t- trying to kind of just get get these. Uh, what, what do they call them? Um, shit, I forget the word she uses. But so yeah, to get to kind of just keep them alive through his videotapes. Yeah. So she basically uh, right, he and you can see how far that. how far into it he gets because he ends up. I mean, he even calls him Max in the uh, in the in the tape that he sends him. So it goes to show how many you know how how many tapes he he made just to keep himself alive. It's kind of like but, the same idea as, like, that, you know, downloading your brain into a computer system. But that's like the, is like the 80s equivalent of doing that. Mm, I didn't look at, I actually didn't see it that way. I actually saw it as Max having a hallucination, a hallucination almost. But oh, yeah, that, that's that cool. That's a, too. No, no, but well, I like your take on it. I like your take. Well, no, I know we're working ahead of ourselves. But, Jay, I, I see both of your uh, angles. But Jay's, Jay does kind of actually makes a little bit of sense now because of what happens later on. Correct. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, so that's why like I, I say you, this is a movie you have to take in and watch a bunch of times because it's 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 hard. I mean, on a first watch, I it was hard for me to follow. I'm like, I'm gonna write this fucking thing up. You know, so I just wrote everything. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm gonna. Have to like, right. I, I could watch it probably ten like, times. I, I've watched the movie quite a quite a few times over the years, and when I found out you guys were doing this one, I was like, oh, I'm not to watch that again, because <laughs> you can. It's like mm-hmm. even in it, I've watched it a couple times since since I found out, and I mean, it's still hard to explain what this movie's really about. I mean, you really have to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this you do. You know what I think? It. It's o- it's very it's very open for interpretation, and like I said, we'll get to that point. This it could mean a lot of things, you know. But uh, let's see. Uh, basically, she explains her father helped create Videodrome. He saw it as the next phase of evolution uh, of man as a technological animal. He realized his partners were going to use it for evil, so they kill him. Mask, uh, Max asks about his VD problem. We're going to refer to Videodrome as VD from now on. I got sick of writing <laughs> Videodrome. So. <laughs> uh, she, she says, Daddy knows more than her. Hands him a bunch of tapes, and he's like, ah, listen to him. He'll, he'll tell you. He'll explain it. He goes back to the studio looking for Harland and asks us if, if he's, he's been hallucinating. Because if you remember, Harland and him were in the same room that Videodrome was on. Or VD. I'm sorry. And then he's like, nah, should I be? He's like, yes, you should. Now, if anybody wants to take it, please do. The couch scene. Um, the, oh, well, when, all right. So, so when um, – I feel like we're missing a part here. Doesn't he go and meet the, um, the, the, uh, the inventor of Videodrome? In like the the back of like uh, the eyeglass? No, he has to that's, the that's helmet? also later. That's no, that... also later. All right, then I'm not sure which coach scene you're referring to. Nice job, Doug. Okay. He's talking the about the scene with Jamie Tape Deck Vagina. He's sitting down and he's wa- and he's um, watching. Is he watching Video Drum again, or he's watching? No, something? he's watching the he's watching the tapes of Brian Oblivion. So, so he's watching. He's starting. And yeah, he has no shirt on. And he awkwardly he's already sitting. He has no shirt on, and it shows a scar on his stomach where he, he keeps scratching, and then he scratches his uh, scar with his his firearm. And then all of a sudden, it turns into a giant uh, phallic vagina. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah, yeah, definitely a vagina. <laughs> I called it vagina. an abdominal vagina. I mean, that's even what my wife said. My wife's like, "That's not an open cut." She's like, "That looks like a fucking vagina." <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure." It's absolutely <laughs> intended to look like a vagina. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> everything. That's what the thing about this movie, though. Everything in this movie's definitely got a sexual like on it and even like the gun thing later when it shoots and it looks like a penis and even shoots right out of a little dick hole you know but <laughs> yeah, we'll get well, to that it, later it's all it's all par for the course when you're dealing with this genre because it's, it's a subgenre. you know they call it body horror and it involves <clears throat> body mutilation changes in the body and it always has some kind of a <clears throat> uh, like a sexual undertone to it and that's that's just that genre and that's what Cronenberg's known for Right, yeah, and, and actually this movie has got me really interested in watching more Cronenberg stuff. I just actually got a movie called Shivers I'm going to check out, too. I just, I, I'm going to go through one. all that this one, shit. It came out before this one. It did, yeah. It came out like 75 or something. But yeah, maybe yeah. We'll, do a, we'll do that one down the road. But uh, all right, anyway, he, Kevin, do you want to keep explaining it or do you want me to do it? No, no, you can't. Yeah, you can explain further. Go ahead. So yeah, so he itches his stomach and then all of a sudden, like, the, the, as you call it, the abdominal vagina, whatever, opens up and he sticks his hand in with the gun. And then he's like feeling around in there, like whatever. And then he pulls out his hand, but the gun is gone and his stomach is back sealed up. And uh, 
Yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, but the, if you have to see the scene, I mean, it's it's just freaking awesome, man. Kevin, where'd you find that like uh, gift that you sent to me of it? Would you just put it in the gift keyboard? Yeah, I just typed in video drone and it was on there. Yeah, which is pretty cool. Stop uh, so he did, the, the thing yeah, too, I, even though he was supposedly hallucinating, the fact that he couldn't find his firearm after was like, oh, well, is he hallucinating or is this starting to become reality? Right. Mm-hmm. Or the two so or the two things becoming one. There we go. Like those those two so, things are becoming one, you know, those two those mm-hmm. two uh what's real and what's not real, what's what's video drone and what's reality are be are be uh you know, it's, it's blurred lines. You can't tell yep. what's what. Right. which is all like basically what Brian Oblivion said earlier. You know, he doesn't know. Now he's starting to lose grip on what's real and what's not. But uh, anyway, this is the part, Doug, where he gets the phone call, uh, and the guy tells him, uh, "This, you know, enter Barry Convent, Convex, Convex, wants to talk to him about VD." So they set him a limo. He watches a little video from uh, Spectacular, Spectacular, Spectacular Optical, the makers of Videodrome. He explains that there were tra- test transmissions; no one was supposed to pick them up. So anyway, he gets into a room, he meets Barry or whatever, and he pulls out a machine to record his hallucination and analyze it. He calls it the prototype. And it looks like, like a, basically like a, like a ancient VR helmet, virtual reality thing. Or it looks like an old like car tape deck, CD deck, almost. <laughs> has that look to it. And... Uh, so he says it'll help find. A hit. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It'll help. Uh, I'm sorry that none of the other test subjects have returned to normality. And why he, why he uh, seems to be doing well. He wants to know why he seems to be doing well. Well, none of the other test subjects. I'm going to rephrase Mark, that. Uh, did well. Now. What? They said, "Are you still stuck in Videodrome right now? Have you not come back to reality yet?" No. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I'm. I'm in it, dude. I'm in it to win it. Fucking, I would, you know, Videodrome, crazy stuff. But he says, uh, Videodrome has something to do with violence of the, uh, yeah, violence of the nervous system. It opens up receptors of the brain that allows the signal to seep in. So now you kind of figure it out. It opens up the receptors. So it just soaks in the waves, right? Is that what he's basically trying to say? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, cool. Good answers, good answers. He puts on the prototype. Barry <laughs> says, uh... You'll forgive me if I don't get around, sit around and watch it. I can't cope with freaky stuff. So the dude who created it basically. <laughs> this is cope this is it, also this is Cronenberg's one cameo in the movie too. Cronen while uh, while Woods has his uh, has his head in this uh, VR contraption. That's actually David Cronenberg. Oh, oh really? I don't know why. I maybe did not maybe know that. James Woods was claustrophobic, or I don't know how that went down. But that uh, I, I was reading about it, and that's what it said. <laughs> that that he's he does he doesn't appear. Uh, in his movies, a whole lot. In fact, he appears as cameos in other people's movies, but he doesn't. Uh, he doesn't really appear in his own movies. But this is the one exception. And that's it. So, that's that's pretty cool, though. That's a good little fact, little fun fact. But anyway, he uh, he puts it on. He sees Nikki. That's the first person he sees. She hands the, she hands him a whip, and they're in like the video drum room again. They're back in the room, and uh, the middle there's a TV set, and she's actually on it. And then he proceeds to go behind the set and start whipping it, whipping it. Then you hear the moaning again. And then all of a sudden it shows, the t- it shows him, then it shows the TV screen again, and Mas- Masha's on it. 
So now he's he thought he was whipping Deborah Harry or Nikki. Now he's whipping Masha, the old lady. He wakes up at his apartment. He rolls over and he finds uh, Masha dead and tied up in his bed with whip marks all over her, which yep. is kind of weird. He calls Harland <laughs> over. He asks him to take a look in his. Go ahead, Jay. <laughs> he said, no, dum, I'm dum, 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 dum. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. It's hard to call. You know, when you do this live, it's a lot different than doing it in person. You can't see what people are doing, and it's hard to signal. And there's like a delay. Yeah. There is, yeah. Well, there's just like a a second delay, and it's just enough to... Throw you off? Yeah. So he calls uh, Harlan over, asks him... There we go. No, he asks him to take a look in the bed. He doesn't see anything. He asks if he's on drugs. He sends them to go to the lab to see if they picked up any more video drone transmissions. They meet at the lab. He says there was no transmission ever. Barry walks in, of course. And uh, Harlan tells Max he was playing him pre-recorded tapes. It was never transmitted, at least not yet, he said. Barry sent Harlan. Uh, and Harlan never looked at the uh, video drone. And, and then, you know, that, that actually part... It, it made me realize that the second time, I'm like, he really does never look at the screen when it's on. Mm-hmm. And is Harlan yep. somebody, like, in something else? He looks very familiar. I didn't look into it. Did anybody look into that? Yeah, I couldn't peg him, though. He does look very familiar, but he might just have, like, that quintessential 80s big glasses. Oh, mm-hmm. Let me let me poke into it again while you guys are chatting. I'll get sure. back to you in a sec. So Barry asks, why would anybody watch a show like Videodrome? He finds out they used this, uh, they set up VD to weed out the scum that would watch that shit, pretty much. You know, they, it was beneath them, and it's leading to weakness in North America, as Harlan says. Excuse me. Barry pulls out a tape and says, Max is ready for something new. Tape is breathing again. The videotape is breathing again. Uh, Max, Max basically asks what he... Yeah, yeah, man. What do you want from me? Barry responds, I want you to open up. And then his stomach vagina opens up again. <laughs> and uh, his shirt pops open. And the hole in his abdomen's there again, like I said. And then the tape, they, he sticks the tape right in his gut. And then Barry and Harley just walk out like nothing happened. So in, in this scene here, do you, did you guys get kind of like Halloween 3 vibes just a little bit? Like with just kind of like, no, just not with like, you know, television and, you know, mind control through the television. Obviously, it's not a set time or a mask or this or that, but I think it was kind of honestly, man, like that whole. Yeah, I think it was just the year in general. I think there was just a a lot of that around that time, you know. Yeah, that's true. Point like watching this, I got I had that that nostalgia of of H3, but. I, I think it was just, I mean, these were relatively made around the same time, so it just, it could have been kind of that. Yeah, I mean, look, man, look at all the movies today, too. You know, all of them have some type of, same type of vibe, right? Right now, it's the whole feminist vibe going on, so, I mean, a lot of the horror movies are all wrapped around that. So, I mean, back in that day, it could have been revolved around mind control and the use of technology, televisions, VHS, whatever, whatever you know, the medium was of choice. Yeah, 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 that's true. It's definitely, definitely the same time period for sure, too. So after uh, he sticks the tape in, basically, he starts hearing Barry's voice in his head. And uh, he says, 
uh, he wants him to kill his partners at the TV station, Channel 83. He wants him to kill him. Kill he your partners and give us 83. Yeah, he sticks his hand in his stomach and pulls out the gun with some goo and stuff hanging out. It's pretty cool. Then he uh, starts, it, it starts like infusing into his hand, like these screws going through and it goes into like his forearm. Almost like it comes out his fingertips, actually, which was kind of grotesque. That's like the first like real grotesque thing you see, I guess, as far as like, uh, well, actually, no, the stomach vagina was. Yeah, I was, was going to say, if that's not yeah, grotesque right. to you, Marco, I don't know. Yeah, I forgot about the stomach vagina. I just wasn't <laughs> thinking about it. My apologies. It's, it's best not and, to. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He goes back to the station, he busts into a meeting, and basically shoots his partners. Kills them both dead. He flees the scene and goes to see Bianca Oblivion. In his head, Barry's still telling him, you know, his, his, you know Barry's telling him to kill her now. And this part was kind of hard to explain. And uh, as soon as he, she sees him, he knows he, she knows he's there to kill her. She says he's an assassin now, basically. Destroy anything to do with Brian Oblivion. She, you know, to destroy anything to do with Brian Oblivion. And then they like, can hurt us, part, she says. Yeah, and then like she somehow gets away like by walking, and she hides in those booths, right? Is that what it is? Like those TV booths, the jizz booths you were talking about. Mm-hmm. She ducks in. Yeah. And uh, basically, For- he sees a light like shining behind it, uh, behind like a like a almost like a paper thing. He rips it open. And it's Nikki on TV getting choked. And then uh, Bianca says they killed her. They killed Nikki. They used her image to seduce Max. But she was already dead. So basically they used her image and, you know, Max thought she was alive the whole time. But uh, I guess she's dead. So, uh, so she was never there. She was never, on the, she was never on the talk show. It was all a hallucination. Because <clears throat> he had just correct. watched Videodrome before going there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, which how the manipulation began. Mm-hmm. And I, fuck, man. And that part blew my mind. I was like, really? So she's never part of it. You know, like, she's really not even, like, a real person. It's insane. So was, anyway, the, he see, was the talk show a hallucination, too? I think so, yeah. Well, at least her being in it was. Well, I then that, it would, was. I, that would explain why the, the hostess, why she was giving him strange looks. Maybe that makes sense, because maybe he was just talking yeah. to himself. Possibly. Uh, yeah, I don't. I, I think the talk show was told because because the talk show was what led him. That was what familiarized us with Brian Oblivion. We were introduced yeah, yeah. to him there, and then Did she that, remembers. She she even remembers his daughter. She said, "Oh, oh yes, I remember. You said very superficial things." Huh? Yeah, that would make sense then. That's why she was. So it wasn't even that whole scene. That's great, man. That's you got to catch that though. Like, and again, I only watched this once. And if I went back, I mean, it's it's. Uh, I mean, it's already a better movie just from this discussion, you know. I mean, I it was it was fucked up from the first watch, but I mean, now it's it's starting to really come together. Even just talking through it. Yeah, that's why. I like, if they remade that, this movie know, today, that this scene would have like while this is ex- the explanation is happening, they'd they'd cut to like all those scenes with her, and she wouldn't be there anymore. And you'd get that weird oh, look from you'd understand that weird look from the talk show host. It's a What's going on over here? This guy's talking. They could never make this movie right now, especially with the controversy. I mean, him fucking slapping whatever one of the uh, secretary's asses while she's making copies or grabbing a coffee or something like that. Holy shit! You well, that stuff wouldn't be in it. But the but the the subject matter in this is even more relevant today than it was then. So they could definitely remake this movie today. It just wouldn't have a lot of that shit in it. Yeah, yeah, they would definitely cut that stuff out. You think it would be as good? 
I mean, I think obviously I think we'd all probably be like fans of the original, but I I don't know if it could they could make it as good as that one. They probably use a lot of fucking CGI. Yeah, I would guess no. Just like other remakes, you know, it wouldn't be as good. Like I'm just thinking, nah, man. I, I, you know, you never know. I don't knock it till I try it, but I, I think this movie just stands alone, man. I just think it, it's very hard. I think it'd be too hard to remake, like to oh, make it fucking interesting. It I just think the eighties do it just time right place for it. Yeah. Uh, so basically, she she uh, after that part where he sees Nikki on the TV, she basically reprograms him, and this is the part that I didn't really know how to explain. And uh, this is the, you know, and then this is the long-lived and new flesh part. If anybody has a little more on that, <coughs> chime in. So all I got is, you know, this is, you're talking about when he kind of, like, basically gets shot by the TV, right? Yeah, yeah. And then she, like, kind of reprograms him. She talks about reprogramming him. Yeah, so it's almost like his, like, rebirth where he, yeah, she, she he had the certain mindset. Um, you know, because he was programmed one way, then she knew what was coming, you know, because her father was the inventor, and, you know, I'm sure in one of those tapes it said, you know, how to change us around, because, like, you said the whole time, she knew that he was coming, so she knew what was happening, you know, she knew what was coming. So, right. I, I just well, she, she had already done dealt with it with her father, her father had already been killed over it, and she knew about it, and she's doing all these tests with the homeless and the TVs, and she got traps set up for Max when he showed up to reprogram him. So she's been ready for this. She's been trying to take Videodrome down since they killed her father. Realistically, uh, Bianca is the is the hero of the movie, and uh, Max has just been a pawn from for both sides the whole time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So he ends up going uh, to Case, basically watch uh, spectacular spectacular optical, and he sees Harlan go in. So he like pretty much follows him, sneaks in the back. He confronts Harlan, asks him what's in the box, and then Harlan just responds with, it's your head in the box. It's your head in the box. <laughs> Which I thought, I mean, it doesn't actually it's show It's a fun, light box, moment, but... too. Right. It's, a, it's kind it of a hilarious. fun, light moment. You know, they, they were friends, and they're being friendly. Harlan thinks he's still on, you know, on the same side as him. He doesn't know he's about to get jacked up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. And then uh, he asks if he wants to do more for Videodrome. Max plays along. Harlan sticks another tape in him, in the vagina. And then Harlan struggles to get it out. He's struggling, struggling, struggling. And then you hear, like, like almost like a mowing sound, kind of like Kevin's uh, neighbors to an extent. And uh, he pulls it out, and it's like a freaking stub, man. Like, but it's weirdly shaped. I don't know what that shape is. Like, doesn't represent I've been trying to figure out what, why it's been shaped like that for so long. My, the only thing I can come up with is that it's the tape that he was shoving in there, got wrapped around. And ate his hand and became some type of bomb. Table leg, leg table. It's like a, it's like a table leg. Yeah, maybe he wasn't even like human. Table to be, leg. Maybe he was never human to begin with. Maybe it gets deeper than we thought. But hey, can I say one thing about the oh, tape? Yeah. Do you guys remember the? Do you guys remember the pecan rolls when you were kids? Yes. That's what the tape reminded me of. It looked like two like sorely pecan rolls. It didn't look. It was like <laughs> oh, it was yeah. just made of like. Because it wasn't like it, like it, it resembled the VH that VHS tape, but it was like it was like made of like flesh, it looked like the Necronomicon, but like in, with pecan rolls. <laughs> yes. Sorry, this is from now the fan tape perspective. See, now you're painting a picture for me. I, I'm seeing it now. <laughs> I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. <laughs> and now you want pecan rolls? I swear, I really do. And Doug's thinking about food during it the whole time. He's just like, oh, I, I see the food imagery. <laughs> yeah, my, there's a whole 
There's a whole other food subgenre in this, yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> Porn. This podcast brought to you by Pecan Swirl Rolls. <laughs> Those things are delicious, man. Oh, I wish they still yeah, made it. They bit. must. Yeah, okay. no, I, think, Sorry. I think they do. I think they do. Don't tell but me that, anyway, Mark, after he pulls, he pulls his uh, hand out, uh, Max says, see you in Pittsburgh, and then Harlan just explodes. Blows mm-hmm. out the wall, and Max leaves through it. <laughs> like, casually as fuck. Just kind of like... Yeah, yeah. There's, like, kids playing I in the alley. There's like, a, there's, like, a family walking by as right after he jumps through this smoldering hole. There's, like, a family walking by, and they don't even... They don't even acknowledge that he just walked through a smoldering, bloody hole in, a, in the side of a building, and maybe that's yeah, just, just like walking. part of part of what uh, you know Civic TV has uh, been a been a party to is the desensitization desensitization of these people. Right. You know they didn't mm. they didn't react at all to this giant smoldering hole and Harlan's bloody corpse scattered about. I figured that's just what 1983 was all about. <laughs> people just <laughs> exploding, just exploding and fucking busting. No one giving a shit. You know, greed is good. <laughs> Just fucking... vaporized. <laughs> and then I did forget to mention in that scene that uh, he does uh, find out from Harland that Barry is at a trade show for his eyeglasses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yep. anyway, he goes to the trade show. The, the front uh, to their clandestine operation. <laughs> correct, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Can I say, say one... that earlier. Can I say Go one ahead. thing, Marco? The opening Just say scene. It, man. You don't have to ask. Yeah, well, then we talk all over each other. It sucks. Then it's like five minutes of just like, what? Oh, what? The beginning scene. That's what that is for. Oh, Kevin's not going to edit this. You shit me. He gave up on that. Yeah. So, so he first comes out and says, you know me. And that's like Marco's catchphrase. Yeah, yeah. I noticed that too, actually. I should have wrote that in. I'm surprised I didn't. Mm-hmm. And even one guy's like, yeah, know we you. know you. <laughs> so uh, Barry... Uh, he goes to the trade show. Barry comes to the stage. Max sees him, basically confronts him. And then in the worst, like, trying to get away scene I've ever seen in my life, he just runs, like, from one side of the stage to the next very slowly. Doesn't make an effort. Like, I, if somebody was coming at me with a gun, he pulls out his infused gun, by the way. If somebody was coming at me with a gun, then fucking, I would be, like, out. I would jump off that stage. I would run under tables. I would do whatever it took. Well, another thought I had was, this guy is like the most terrible mastermind in the fucking history of anything. Like, why would not have like at least one bodyguard? You know what I mean? Like, he has this okay. like, he has this conglomerate. He's supposed to be this big ma- mastermind, and he he just gets friggin' shot up on stage. Like, are you shitting me? That's yeah, all. yeah. No one tackles him either. There's no, there's no one there to protect him because he stand because after he shoots him, he stands there and goes, <laughs> "Death the video drop. Long live the new flesh." And, and is that the original mic drop? With... Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, because he says, yeah, like, that the video drum and fucking mic drop, and then he's off like a new prom dress. <laughs> yeah, and then the tumor that grows inside them, you can really see it. This is like the first time you really get to see, you know, what video drum does to people, because you look in the inside of, uh, uh, of that guy, and he's just, he starts to, like, I don't know, convulse, and that gelatinous stuff oh, starts yeah. coming out of him. Yeah. Like they remind me of something out of like street trash. Jay, do you remember street trash when they drink the viper juice, the the booze? No. And they start to melt and like turn weird colors and like uh, it's it's I think it's a I think it's trauma, but it's it's super trashy and it's a good one. But it, it reminded me a lot of that and kind of even Halloween three again. I know I keep bringing that one up, but 
when the kids would obviously there's no snakes and like insects, but uh, just the way that kind of like that technology they had for those kind of practical yeah, effects. It, it looked like maggots. It looked like it was like maggots and blood coming out of them. It was like his, it was just his guts exploding yeah. from the inside out in an alien form or something. It was the tumor maybe it took over him? Man, Cron I mean uh, not Cronenberg. Uh, well, actually both Cronenberg and Barker, man, just fucking brilliant lines just together. Yeah, and I forgot to mention, I kind of want to go back to it because I felt it was important. I don't know, Doug, if you mentioned it because I was kind of reading at the same time you were talking. But in that scene, just real quick, back to Bianca. I thought this part was actually pretty cool, and I forgot to mention it was uh, like when he looks at the TV screen and then uh, like it shows him like getting shot, you know what I mean? I can't remember exactly how it went, but it shows the three bullet holes. Mm -hmm. And then it looks like the penis gun shooting him. That's what I was talking about earlier. And I forgot to mention that I skipped over that whole part. But oh yeah, yeah, just it comes to out of back. the TV, and it's it look it looks like it, it looks like the same gun that's fused to his hand, but it looks it, even right. more phallic because it's coming out of the TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll, and then shoots oh, him in the chest a bunch of times. And then he sees his chest with the holes on the TV. And mm -hmm. uh, but that part though, like that's what I was trying to get at. It was like very flesh. It, it looked like a penis, it, like straight up. And that's uh, going back to what we talked about earlier. A lot of uh, sexual in imagery in this movie. But uh, anyway, uh, he sh yeah, going back to Max and the horrible getaway plan. Uh, <laughs> he ends up uh, shooting him, and uh, you know Max pretty much says, "Long live the new flesh." Hashtag uh, Mike. Yep. Then that's it. And then uh, he ends up going to the shipyard. Gets so on one quick boat. thing, one quick thing. Yeah, you ahead. see, he's running through this. He's got his hand in his pocket. You can see that it's still like his normal hand, and he's wearing this teeny little leather jacket. There's no way that big bulbous hand would have been able to fit in his fucking jacket. And then I'm like, oh, maybe it went back to normal. But continue. <laughs> I just wanted to give you that. I like to no, pick out the weird, the weird anomaly. I think, uh, man, I, I think that's the whole point. Is it's it's a complete mind fuck. So did. Did the new flesh even really exist? Was it really just him the entire time thinking that he had this supposed new flesh? Was it just the mind control of Videodrome? And so what we were seeing was not actually reality. When that goes away and he's got his hand in his pocket. I mean, it was just his real hand the entire time. Right. That's what I'm thinking, Kevin, yeah. That's all part of it, man. Come on, Doug. You gotta dig deeper, dude. You gotta dig no, deeper. I, I just want to blow the last scene. That's all. I, <laughs> I brought up the whole fat angle. What do you mean I gotta dig deeper? I, I broke this wide open. <laughs> yeah, but all figured out, Douglas. <laughs> yeah. You know Doug, I give you credit. Now that I think about it, when the VHS tape was, was starting to like morph and look delicious, it, it did look like two. The, uh, you know, the two circles, the plastic circles, the white circles, and the VHS tape did look like marshmallows, okay? So I'll give you that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, the they first did. time? Yeah, yeah, they definitely look like marshmallows, yeah. yeah. And I think that's what they were. I have a feeling. Uh, anyway, he gets on a boat. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he sees, uh, he gets in, uh, you know, sits down, he sees Nikki on another TV that just happens to be there. He, uh, and she basically tells him he put a dent in Videodrome, but didn't destroy it. It's big and complex. And then she tells him, in order to get the new flesh, you have to destroy the old flesh. Yeah. She says she'll show him the way. He sees himself on TV. He kneels down, says, long live the new flesh again, shoots himself in the head. And then 
he does, you know, and then he does it in, in reality after. He basically repeats the same scene, and then, and then that's how it ends. Long live the new flesh, him shooting himself again after the yeah. hallucinization. And that's the end. Who knew there was only 13 pages? What an interesting movie, honestly. Again, I'm going to, you know what? It's funny. It came up, I think it was just like a star, there's a, a, a Power sci-fi. Um, Doug, did we lose Doug? I love it. Great. Yeah. Yeah, fucking, we're not going to let him connect. Jerk. <laughs> there he is. It booted me. I have no idea why. Booted, it booted you out for not digging deeper into the, the subconscious of the movie. No, because he has the fucking cock hand at the end. So, I don't know. Why would he have it? Why would he not have in that one weird scene where he's looking for a place to squat in a boat? And why was there a TV in there anyway? Why was there well, lights again, in there? It's fucking dark. It's all, it's all hallucin- uh, hallucination. Was it really in there, though, Doug? Was it? Maybe the movie didn't even fucking happen. Maybe we're talking about a movie that never happened. And we're really living Videodrome right now. Boom, there's your it TV. Could be. Whoa. Whoa, no, but yeah, I think like it, it was just all, all a hallucination, Doug. That's what I think. Like that whole end scene. I mean, it, he really shoots himself, but I think it's because <clears> of <throat> his hallucinations. You know, it took him over. Yeah, definitely. Well, I don't know. I think that when he when he shoots himself for real, that is him uh, leaving his the old flesh, and like like she said becoming the new flesh and becoming something more akin to what um, uh, Brian Oblivion was. You know, he lived on, right. on in his tapes, and now he'll live on uh, to fight Videodrome. And it, you can, it, it adds a little tad, a little credence to it. Uh, Nikki, I mean, it, it, you could chalk it up to hallucination, but Nikki keeps popping up in this thing, and she right. is helping him, you know, helping him along the way. That's true. Said he'll guide him. See, that's why I like the fact that you watch this movie a bunch. It's good to have you on because you have, like, different perspectives. You've had time to think about it, you know? Like, Kevin watched yeah. it once. I've seen it twice. And uh, Doug, how many times did you watch it? Twice? Is Doug here? Yeah, he's, he's too busy sexing people on the uh, live chat, I guess. Okay, so no. well, it, kicked, it kicked him out again. Uh, you know what? I was going to say, man, I, I had a chance to buy this movie for four ninety nine. On um, on digital, and I fucking regret it because I, I definitely want to buy it at some point when it goes back on sale. It's it's um it's just a movie you got to keep watching. There's so much to it that you're not going to get in the first watch. And man, it's it's just a it's it's definitely I understand why it's called classic and it's uncomfortable and it's different from other horror movies at that time. Um, I don't know how. I mean, I know we were talking the other day. I think Marco, you were watching People Under the Stairs, but you know that yeah. Bond take and everything. I mean. Same thing, right? Like there, there are portions of this that forget being horror. It's just unsettling, uh, you know, unsettling things that we don't talk about in society. So bondage, uh, you know, here, I mean, obviously torture killer uh, rape videos and everything. So that in its own is unsettling. Never mind all of the gory effects and in the horror aspect of it. I think that's what makes right. it such a good movie, man. It's like art <laughs> and settling it as it is with the other parts of the story. Yeah, right. And then, like I said already, man, this has got me interesting. Interested in watching some, you know, more Cronenberg films. Just yep. the way he, he he seems like he writes it interesting. Uh, like everything's 
I don't know, man. He's just got a different perspective. He thinks outside the box. I, I didn't and that's think what it seems that, like to absolutely. me. What was that, Kevin? Have you seen Scanners? I have not. What about you, Dr. J? Oh, yeah, I like Scanners. I haven't seen that movie in years. I actually, after watching this, it really made me want to watch Scanners again. Yeah, I agree, man. I got to see it. I, just, I, I mean, I've seen the cover. Every time you look up classic movies, it's always Scanners is brought up. But, man, I, I, I think I just got to purchase it because it's probably going to be killer. That only came out, what, two years yeah. before this one. So, um, And you were right about Rick Baker, by the way, for special effects. He, he was nominated Academy Awards. He was nominated for 11. He won seven Academy Awards for Best Makeup. Um, and uh, the other two, I mean, he's still got a nom for it. So, which is crazy because, I mean, he, he did it, – it's too bad he didn't win. Oh, he actually, you know, he was just um, supervising for – he won for American Werewolf, but he also did The Howling in the same exact year, which is, is pretty wild. So – but he was, there's he was an interesting just, story about that too because he he also worked on the howling he has a he has a credit for a, a consultant yep. i think on the howling i think he was he was he he been yeah, hired he, to, to do the howling and then um so i don't know something happened with money or something like that and then the uh, uh the, the movie wasn't going forward and then he ended up jumping ship and going to american werewolf in london he used a lot of the effects that they had planned for the, for uh, the howling in american werewolf in london yep both Pretty amazing cool. movies, uh, visually. <laughs> Same year, fucking just stunning. Only flicks. So, I mean, would you, yeah. you know, what's your take on this, Jay? Uh, why don't you just give us like your overall, you know, thought on the movie? Do you recommend it, and why? Absolutely, I absolutely recommend this movie. I mean, it's a movie that, um, like you said, you got to watch more than once. You can't. It's not. It's not a one-watch movie where it's like, oh, that was good. And, you know, that, you know, whatever, put it back on the shelf. You know, this is the kind of movie you got to keep watching over and over again. Uh, when I was first introduced to this movie, it's actually a pretty funny story. Doug was still on um, because I got a call one night from a mutual friend of ours. You guys might know him as uh, Donnie, but we call him Pinga. Uh, <laughs> he got, I got a call from Pinga one night. Uh, hey, man, we need to – I got a box of movies here, old horror movies. You want them? Ah, there's I'd... Doug. Yeah, I'm telling a story about Pinga in the, in the, in the box uh, of movies. Uh, so I had a box of VHS tapes, and uh, I go over this this kid's house, and he had like four or five boxes filled with VHS, and I'm talking the craziest B-horror movies you've ever seen, uh, a bunch of 80s comedies, a uh, whole bunch like sorority massacre shit, and um, I, I come come home with these big boxes of movies, and my, my old man comes out, and he's shaking his head. He's like, what are you bringing into the house now? <laughs> and he's going through these <laughs> movies with me, and he's like, you can throw... You can throw all of these movies back in the dumpster where you found them, and you can just keep this one. And he held up Videodrome. He goes, you'll like this one. It's really fucked up. <laughs> he goes, Debbie <laughs> Harry's in it, and she burns her tit with a cigarette. You'll love it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And if it was good enough for my old man, it was good enough for me. And uh, Yeah, it's definitely a fucked up movie. Something I, I, I couldn't really appreciate, you know, all like the little nuances until... I watched it recently, actually, so I watched it for this. Um, but, yeah, I really appreciate it a lot more now, now that I can understand a lot more what was going on. <laughs> mm -hmm. but yeah, I would definitely recommend yeah. this. A classic, if you're kind of crazy. Uh, if, if you like body horror, you're already seeing this movie. Um, but, 
but um, yeah, if, if if you like fucked up our movies, God, I saw this twisted really plot movie, and it, it reminded me of like a Cronenberg movie. Like this is the movie they're talking about. <laughs> Marco, what do you yeah, think? Oh, I loved it, man. Uh, I recommend it. Uh, the first time I was a little confused, but definitely enjoyed it. Second time, took it in, and I think we pretty much mentioned most of the stuff that that I kind of took from it. And I still feel like I need to watch it another five times to really, really understand it, or to take you know my personal take, you know, on it. And uh, you know, I think part of it too is is just the message that TV is ruining people. And I and I think that's like like the, the deepest hell? meaning of it, personally. What is going on here? Children. <laughs> oh, that's Kevin. Kevin's going on. <laughs> Kevin's looking for his belt. Bobby, he's looking for a Superman belt. <laughs> but, uh, that's, that's Bobby. That, he's that's looking for a Superman my... belt. I don't know where it is, buddy. Jay. That's my take on it. I think it leads to a lot of, you know, like the desensitization of America through television. And they just use, you know, the bondage world just to kind of, you know, show it and uh, make it interesting. But uh, anyway, I recommend it. Loved it. Um, Doug? I just had a quick. We got we got a couple. Jade, you know, I I want to give a shout out to these. They're at, they're asking for a shout out, but I don't know who's who. Do you know Jay? Who are you? Are you watching the chat? Oh no no, hang on. We got Simram. Uh, What's no. going on? I want to say hi, and we got Manny at. So we got I'm Manny. Simran. Give me attention. Yeah, no, I'm Manny. Hey hey Manny. Hey, Simran, what's going down? From you, Jay. They want you to reach inside your belly button vagina and give them attention. Jay, we, they want to know if you're no, a real doctor. No, can you um, can you tell us what your uh, uh, doctorate? I, yeah. I can't prescribe. I can't prescribe anything legal. I'm I'm a, I'm a doctor of mystical sciences. <laughs> just that like, means butt like, stuff, Jay. <laughs> that's a that's a Doc Antle reference for those of you who've been stuck in quarantine. <laughs> I'm sure you all know Doc Antle is at this point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what a fucking... <laughs> what a sociopath. <laughs> that fucking guy's my idol. He's going to end up getting taken down to at some point if he hasn't already. <laughs> uh, I don't know why. I just, I just pictured you right, coming so, yeah. out. Is, that a, is that a resounding recommendation from everyone on the panel today? Yeah. 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 Doug, Doug, what'd you think of this movie aside from the fact that you associated everything to some type of uh, food? Um, made me. me um, dish. I, <laughs> I jumped. Um, I was intrigued. I was turned on and I was hungry. I mean, what more do you want from one movie? <laughs> Shimran. We love you, bud. And or bud S. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I agree with everybody. I, I think we all uh, recommend this movie. It's a classic. Uh, hasn't been, hasn't been touched or remade yet. Uh, I mean, just the body horror aspect and the whole part of, you know, just um, torture killer porn mixed in with horror and the visual effects are amazing. So, I, I mean, it's just unique, you know. It's, it's uncomfortable in so many ways, and that's, that's what's great about it. So, And it's got Blondie in it. Yeah. Now, Jay, you might know this one. Was this her first acting? I know she did a hundred like musical type roles, or um, was this her first like acting role where it wasn't like a, a cameo? Or a... I tried looking it up, but she was in so much stuff. Jay, I'm not sure. You know, I didn't. I didn't really look into that too much. But I, I mean, I feel like this is the the 
only thing I'm familiar with her acting in. I, I just wrote a Batman yeah. Okay. She I had her first leading role in the no, the neo noir film Union City in 1980. Okay, so that was her first. But was she? I know there was a few where it was like just like a she was like a singer at a show or something like that. Was she like an actual? This this was her second leading role uh, with James Wood. So her and Woods, this was her second film, but she may have been in other stuff. But I mean, as far as like leading acting roles, not appearances or guest appearances, this was, uh, this was, this was a uh, dose. She was in uh, Tales from the Heart Side, uh, Heart Side. I'm thinking Biohazard. Tales from the Dark Side, which I didn't know. She's in one of the segments in that, if you guys ever seen that yep. movie. 1987. Oh. oh, I didn't know she was in that one. Yeah, she's in the wraparound story. Uh, okay. Yeah. Why won't my keyboard work? Hairspray. She was in a, a good amount of stuff. I don't know if she was a star or not or whatever. But... All right. Well. All right, guys. Well, uh, any, anything else to, to add or whatever, Doug? You were off. You were off. I don't know what the fuck you were doing offline for a couple minutes. But... Dude, it could boot me off, and then you were giving your big your big crescendo, and you wouldn't answer my call. It rang for like twenty minutes. <laughs> I'm like, wow, I'm, I don't want to like steal your thunder, but you can at least can't accept that I wouldn't say anything. But I want to just give a shout out to uh, Shimran and whoever, uh, oh, there it is, Manny, Manny at, uh, just for coming on, saying hi, look, listening to our our shit show. Yeah, thanks for listening to, to our rantings, people. Thanks, guys. So we got, Appreciate it. check them out at... At DJ RJ, would you smack your kid around for me? <laughs> I'm I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm You're fucking no. That was a dance, buddy. I know. I'm just kidding, Jay. <laughs> I know. Uh, so at Manny Stagram, three M's, and uh, I don't know if these are even real. At W H A T E V P P. I don't know. So I don't know. Thanks for coming and hanging. Manny said my hamster fell off my desk, and you're not going to say bye to me. <laughs> Peace out, Manny. <laughs> I like Peter, your hamster, buddy. I hope I hope the best for him. All right, guys. Well, on that note, thank you very much for listening to another episode of Vintage Burn Podcast, and happy Alien Day to all of you out there. We are recording this on 4-26-2020, so... If you got time tonight, go ahead, pop in Alien tonight and watch that shit, all right? I'm Kev. All right. Marco. Doug and Dr. J. Jason. (laughs) Dr. J. (laughs) All right, guys. See ya. All right. right. Bye, guys. guys. Hey, fellas. Thank you.